All right, boys. You guys ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Your cue, yeah. man. All right, let's get it, boys. Man, the all NBA teams are finally released. Boston goes up 3 2 on the Heat, and the Golden State Warriors return to the NBA Finals. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? I am feeling good, feeling great. The Warriors won. I got my starting five with me today. And question for all you guys. Oh, yeah. Open-ended question. Favorite Bulls playoff opponent? And I'll start off. I think I'm going to go with the Supersonics. Oh, GP crazy. Kent, man. Yeah. All right. John, he's back. The boy's back. How you living, my friend? Where am I? Did I uh, fall in the wrong podcast or something? No, I'm, I'm listening. It's uh, it's good. It's great to be back. And uh, to answer JJ's question, I'm gonna say the Phoenix Suns because anytime we can keep Charles Barkley at zero rings, the better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Sammy, how you living, my friend? I am good, my man. I am good. I will go with the Pistons on this one. I'll go with the non-finals opponent. Oh, dude, Ooh. that was mine. That was mine too. RJ, I gotta, I gotta bring you in, man. Dude, I'm with Sammy too. It's gotta be the Pistons. The Pistons. All right, there we go. But guys, we just watched the Golden State Warriors take down the Dallas Mavs in a gentleman sweep, 120 to 110. I'm gonna throw this to JJ first. JJ. After 2019, Klay Thompson goes down. We lose Kevin Durant. Did you ever think that the Warriors would actually be here for 20, for, for this year? Did you think we'd be here for the finals? You know, when we had all those injuries throughout the past years, it looked pretty damn grim. Then this year came along and we started 18 and 3. And I had hope. And that hope somewhat diminished throughout the year. He had Clay out. And then when he came back in, Draymond get, got injured. And then when Draymond came back, Steph got injured. So it's just like, you know, I didn't I didn't know if it was fool's gold or, you know, we were too old. Our roster reconstruction because, you know, lack of centers that we, we would make it this far, but hey man, never, never count out the heart of a champion as the old Rockets head coach Rudy T would say. Yeah, I want to ask you guys, like, do you guys think this Warriors team is for real? Do you think they were actually tested throughout the playoffs and can they go all the way? What do you guys think? Were they tested this year? Regular season-wise, yes, because all the injuries they dealt with. In terms of the playoff opponents, they might have got the luck of the draw a little bit. I mean, they, they took on a Nuggets team that was a one-man band, in a sense. Memphis obviously lost jaw part of the way through. Uh, this Dallas team was pretty much Luka and not a lot of other players, but at the same time, it's a little bit different than the Phoenix scenario last year because that team had gone from winning 20 games a year to all of a sudden popping in the finals and having everyone injured along their path. We've, we've seen this team do it before, multiple times, go in, win the title. We know they can. 
So this year they probably got a little bit lucky in terms of who they played, but at the same time, the West was just a little bit weaker as a whole, if you look at it across the board. And it's not their fault they didn't play Phoenix. Phoenix did that to themselves. So it's true. That, that's how I would look at it. I mean, or Chris they Paul did it to them. Yeah, Chris. Pretty much. Yeah. And Devin Booker too. You can't, you got to throw the hate where it's deserved. I agree with Sammy. I think the Warriors did get easier opponents and injuries are part of the game, but that's not their fault. It, it happens, right? The Bucks played the Nets when Kyrie got hurt on the way to the finals, winning it all. So it, it happens every year. But I do think that the Warriors, whoever they face in the finals, and I want to get your thoughts on this, guys, if you agree with me, but they're going to face their hardest opponent in the finals regardless of whether it's the Celtics or the Heat. I think both teams are elite defensively. The Heat do have offensive deficiencies, which probably makes them the easier matchup. And they're also not as long and big, which I think is how you beat the Warriors. So throwing it back to you guys, do you agree with that assessment? That they're going to face the hardest opponent in the finals? I mean, I think... Collectively, the Celtics and Heat, their roster construction is well built. The one thing is that the Warriors have always struggled with a dominant center, and now they don't have that. So how will they play these overall good teams? Because as both of you know, you and Sammy were saying, they faced these one-man bands. You have you had a the Joker. I mean I guess the Grizzlies, they had job, but I, they're more collective. And then you had Luca, so I would say definitely the Celtics or the Heat would pose a potential threat to the Warriors championship run. Part of this that I'm thinking is that I'm I'm really happy for Kayvon Looney. Like he has just been an absolute monster ever since that Game Seven, right? And or was it Game Six? Game Six, I think. Game Six. Game six, and the thing is, is that I'm I'm almost worried like it's not gonna last. Like eventually he's gonna run into some big dude named either Bam Adebayo or Robert Williams who could potentially outwork him for these rebounds because he's actually responsible for a lot right now, a lot. And I don't know if that's that's my biggest worry at least as a as a Warriors watcher that Kevon Looney might not be able to do it. Do you guys have sort of the same concerns? Uh, in a sense, yeah. The thing is, with Robert Williams in particular, and as a modern NBA center, I, I think he's almost the prototype because I don't like spending a lot of money on centers in today's league. He's been in and out of the lineup the entire playoffs with knee issues, and he's only playing about 20 minutes a game. So in that regard, I think Looney would still be okay. I do think Boston by far matches up better with the Warriors than Miami does because Miami, I think, I don't know if you guys would all agree with this, I think unequivocally the Warriors have the best player in that series. As good as Jimmy is, Steph is easily the best player in that series. Mm -hmm. With Boston, with the way Tatum is playing right now, not collectively, but right now, I think you can call it a toss-up as to who the best player in the series is relative to Steph because Tatum's been incredible lately. So like just in this playoff, you can make an argument either way if you want. I think most people would still take Steph because of the collective body of work, but Tatum's been amazing. And just they've got the wings, they've got the point guard to defend. Where the Warriors have an advantage, particularly over the Celtics, to me, would be coaching, just because I think uh, Udoka is very good, but 
Steve Kerr's obviously been there a long time. He's seen it all. And he, even in this game, I was looking at some of the stuff he did to adjust. I mean, Bielitsa comes out of nowhere after the last two games to play 20 minutes tonight. They clearly changed up the rotation. He knows how to adjust on the fly. I think he would do that against Boston. Uh, but I, I think the collective talent of Boston is just superior to Miami right now. And that series is starting to reflect that as well. But yeah. I don't know. Do you guys have a preferred matchup between those two teams? The Heat. Yeah. The Heat. <laughs> okay. I just want to see if my, my thought process mirrored uh, Warrior fans' thought process I, on this. I, I mean, I just don't think the Heat can score enough. That's I'm in agreement to with win the series. In terms of the Celtics, Draymond Green would obviously guard, well, Wiggins would probably guard Tatum. Yeah. Get, they'd yeah. probably throw different looks at him, give different shots. And Wiggins is, you know, he is the type of player that can guard Tatum. He has the length, which is what bothers Tatum. And if he played the, def- the type of defense that he played on Luka, you know, I, I, man, it would be a great series. I, and I think, I, it, I think Im- it, impartially, that's the series I want to see. I think, I think go, the chess match would be amazing. Sorry, I, I think it would go seven. You know, I, I think it would go seven. I, I agree. I think that would be just an incredible chess match. JJ uh, does not want it to go seven. JJ. He wants it to go four. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want it to go seven. No, um, they they want the Heat series to go seven and then to pull the victory out in Game Seven yes. to get to, to get to the quarters. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah, the that thing that's going for the thing that's going for the Golden State Warriors right now. It, it seems like everyone is playing at their peak level right now. Like Draymond Green. What he had like 17 points today, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, Clay Thompson goes off for like 32. Also, Andrew Wiggins playing great defense. He had an amazing poster there for like for this series. Steph Curry still doing Steph Curry stuff. The only person that took a little bit of a step back, you, you might say, it might be Jordan Poole. But I think his shot's eventually going to come. He's still aggressive. So the Warriors are still looking pretty good. Yeah, and even tonight, just really quick, Paul went six for eight, and he he stepped back up tonight. I think the shot distribution was perfect tonight too, overall. Yeah, because you you always Agreed. have that one guy who's going to get the hot hand. Tonight it was Clay; they gave him twenty five shots, and then Steph had seventeen shots, and they went from there. But, I mean, the biggest thing that Paul did this this game was he wasn't a traffic cone on defense. Sort of. His uh, close close uh, closeout D is very questionable. I actually wanted to ask you guys. You know, I think on Monday we're planning to go into a finals preview, so I wanted to save some of our topics. But I did want to ask, in terms of the Mavs, do you think it was more of a better execution on the Mavs part, or the ultimate choke? job by the Suns. Bonafide scrub. Oh man, choke I'll job. put it up there for you right now on Twitter. Yes, Sally's got the Reggie Miller I'm going Reggie choke Miller. side going right choke? there. John, I, what I, do you think? Yeah. John? I mean, like, if the Mavs won by eight points, then you could maybe make a case for the scheme or the Mavs were just, you know, executing better. But they lost by they won by almost, 33. I mean, they were up by almost 50 at one point. What? And so right, that's not yeah. like a matter of execution. <clears throat> that's just a matter of choking and mm-hmm. not performing the way that you should be. Right. And just because I, I was going to say this anyway, much respect to the maps. Because when they when they traded Porzingis, I assumed that they were throwing in the towel on the year. They were going to retool 
try to clear the books and find a second star. I didn't think they get anywhere near the conference final. So I do want to give them respect on the season they had. I think Jason Kidd did a great job with that team as it was, but just stacking up their talent level next to Phoenix first and then the Golden State, to me, clearly, just from a pure talent perspective, they were inferior. And that's no disrespect to the players on that team. You just, going back to the Phoenix series, you could argue that outside the Luka, they had, what, the fifth best player in the series next? Like, behind maybe six? Behind Bridges and Aiton and Paul and Booker? This series was kind of the same scenario to me. If you take Luka, call Luka and a toss-up with Curry, the best player in the series, after that, who do you put Brunson near? Maybe Wiggins? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. But the talent wasn't there. And so that's why, to me, when I look at Phoenix, I respect the fact that they that Dallas beat them. But I just think, I don't know if we'll ever know what happened behind the scenes, but you don't lose in, that, in a playoff series in a Game 7 at home by 40 unless something was going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about. Agreed. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I just don't buy that. I don't think that happens. Do you so, guys sit a, here like thinking about Luca and just feel absolutely awful for him? No. <laughs> <laughs> they did have like I want to give props to the Mavs because they did have the second best record after All Star break. Right. So I don't want to take that away from them, but Game Three, the most pivotal game where everyone was saying the Mavs will take it, and that's where they performed their best. They went zero for 15 outside of Luca on three. And Draymond Green had foul trouble. And they shot 15 threes before halftime. So everything was going their way. Mm-hmm. But Warrior DNA championship level came in. I think that's yeah. the reason. You know? the, I mean, the Mavs were just outmatched. And I mean, they gave up game two, which is a game they clearly should have won. Yes, uh, it, it would have just extended the series to six, probably, if we're being honest. But Luca does I need agree. help. He needs help. He needs another star by him. I don't think Dinwiddie yeah. is that guy, and or Brunson, obviously. But uh, one thing I will say about the a uh, Luca, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of snarling eyes and hatred from Mavs fans, but hate it. I think so. Luca, his skill set, his ability to just play the game. He, he's a, it's a 10 out of 10. Like the guy is up there in terms of his skills. But we have to be honest. He came out of shape into the season. He looked out of shape throughout the season. And he looked really gassed. I know he played a lot of minutes. But this is the playoffs. This is the Western Conference Finals. You're a superstar. There's a certain expect. Look at Steph Curry running around the court all the time. Like there's a level of conditioning that Luka can get to. And if, he, if there's one thing he needs to work on, I think it's that. He needs to work on his discipline in the offseason. He needs to work on his work ethic. Because if he can do that, yeah, I think it'll just catapult him into another stratosphere. Just clearly try on he was, defense too, man. Yeah, yeah and man. he was super and, and a lot of it is like he's probably because he's too tired. That's probably why he's not trying on defense because he's too his conditioning is bad. So he needs to work on that. Hard in the offseason. Amazing yeah. player. Amazing, amazing player. But you could always improve. Everybody. There's, there's a lot of, like, clips of him just, like, giving up on plays after mm-hmm. missing, like, a layup and stuff like that. So I think, John, you're you're nailing it right on the head here. But I'm going to talk about um, this Western Conference Finals MVP award that Steph Curry won. It was the first ever to be um, handed out. They're calling it the Magic Johnson Award. Was this the right person to give it to? 
I don't think you go wrong giving it to Steph. I mean, Steph? I, I think this is one of those scenarios where, as kind of a more impartial viewer call it, I think they could have given this award to him, and I do think he deserved it. If you gave it to Looney, I would have, I would not have been mad at that at all, because of the impact he had on the series. But I, I, I do think Steph was the right call. I mean. Do you guys just not only for his own stat line because I know he didn't play great tonight in terms of shooting, but but just what he does for the offense to open it up. I mean, for you guys who obviously watched all these games closely, do you feel like that was the right call, or did you expect someone else to get it? It was the right call. You don't get cute like what they did a few years back when Iguodala got it. <laughs> Like, if you watch basketball and you know the details of game planning, all the coaches, all the analysts, all the basketball advocates, they know how Steph worked that floor and all the attention that he drew. They had to game plan for one person, and that one person was Steph. So I wouldn't be mad with Looney, though. That would be really cool if you got it. Yeah. He needs more props. And uh, Agreed. I know that I was one of the trade Looney Wiggins people, and I'll be open to admit that. This cack of ball. So, sorry, Loon. I'll buy your jersey <laughs> if we win the championship. Don't, don't worry, guys. Don't worry, Warrior fans. There's still four more games, or more than that, to play, so JJ might change his tune yet again. <laughs> John, I'm guessing you're, you're in agreement, Steph Curry. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you could give it to maybe. Uh, Looney, like Sammy said, or even maybe Wiggins for the defense he played on Luca. But at the end, you can make a case for that. But you got to give it to Steph. Makes sense. And now we're actually going to take a short break with a word from our sponsor. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're going to take it to our next series here. Over on the east side, we have the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. The Celtics go up 3-2 in a game five which went 93 to 80 the heat were without tyler hero and just seemed to struggle on offense the whole game guys i keep saying this because well it's just hard to get a grip on what this series is actually doing does anyone have a pulse on who has control here do you guys feel like it's boston or you guys feel like it's the heat i <laughs> Oh, I hate saying this. It's Boston. <laughs> they have control. And even when they were down uh, 1-0 and then 1-2, I still, I still thought that Boston had control of the series. And they're just, I think they're the better team, talent-wise, top to bottom. Coaching, you could probably give the nod to Spolstra. Ime Udoka is a new coach, but he's doing a heck of a job in, in, getting, in motivating these guys. And... I don't know about you, but Jimmy Buckets doesn't look right lately. The last two or three games, I think he's, I think his injury, his, that knee inflammation, might be giving him a lot of issues. And he's he's a super tough player, right? He's mentally tough, and I don't think he just wants to admit it. He's not the type of person to do that. 
but I think it's really bothering him. And for me, that's the proverbial nail in the coffin. Because if you can't get Jimmy Butler to do what he what he needs to do to even give the Heat a chance, this series, in my opinion, is wrapped up in six. Right. I would agree with that too. Um, you look at Miami from just a health perspective. Like you said, Hero was out this game. Lowry clearly has not been healthy most of the playoffs. Butler missed the game earlier in the last series. And it's worrying. And you can tell it feels like what they're trying to do now is muck up the game. I mean, I was watching the first half of this and I got mixed heat vibes from the 90s. Like I just imagined <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy grabbing Alonzo Mourning's leg while I was watching this. I mean, at the half, this was 42 to 37, which we've seen in first quarters this year uh, very often. And then I feel like the third quarter started and before you know it, you blink a couple times. And I think, what did it get to at one point? It was 69-58 to end the third with Boston up and they just they took it and they ran away with it and by the time you started the fourth I think at one point this was 83 to 61 I think you're right I think Miami's too beaten up and Boston's done a good job where Tatum is clearly the guy but you look at different games in the playoffs and this is reminiscent of the Warriors to me in that it feels like if you point out certain games it's been a different guy every time Tatum was 7 for 20 in this game. Jalen Brown had 25. Horford had 16. Horford's had a renaissance in this series. Uh, There's different. Marcus Smart only had five in this game. I remember a couple games back, he had 23-24. They've just become so well-rounded, and they've clearly figured out their seven-man rotations. So that's, to me, what's made them so dangerous is now they come in waves. And especially defensively, you can't, you can't hunt them. And they're one of the only teams that I've seen that with when they've got a specific five-man lineup out there. So I, I would be shocked, like, just to echo what John said. If this game, if this goes past six, I'll be pretty missed. As tough as the Heat are, I just, I can't see them winning in Boston. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how all year and even the beginning of the postseason, the Heat, they were considered the most deep team. And they were the first seed and everyone was kind of saying, like, overrated first seed and uh, now the haters are kind of right yeah you have Lowry um, okay he's playing he only had one rebound yeah one rebound oh for six that, that was his stat just one yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was for a rebound Ooh. I think for you got a single you single could, you got a single single you're running point you should at least get some assists get at least four rebounds that's what I think. Yeah. You have Max Struess going 0 for 9. Like, why are you oh. shooting that much? <laughs> Super crazy play, playing wild. Jimmy was 4 for 18. Okay, I'm not going to get mad at Jimmy because he's Jimmy Butler. He plays both sides of the court and he can't do everything. But wow, everyone on the Heat, it seems very questionable now with their roster construction. And I don't know if, like, what. These two were saying it's because they're beat up, but you're playing Duncan Robinson, 90 million, and he didn't even play within the first two rounds. And now he's getting play and he's, how can you get even into a rhythm? Yeah, and I yeah. think what, like, one, of the, one of the biggest things is that the microscope is really starting to focus in on Bam Adebayo as well. Like you're looking at him to be like that second star, right? If Jimmy Butler's getting knocked, like locked up, you need him to produce a lot. And especially with Tyler Hero out as well. Like, there's no offense, guys, outside mm-hmm. of Jimmy Butler and maybe Bam Adebayo. But 
I don't think he's that dude. I don't think he's a dude that's going to be an all-star year after year after no. year. And I think we're, we're starting to see it. Um, yeah, am I correct by saying that? Yeah, no, you're right. Bam Adebayo, too, is like, he's known for his defense. And so they're trying to make him a multifaceted player. And that's something that he isn't at this current point in time. I mean, he could develop into that, but that's not who he is. And speaking of Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson as JJ so uh, mentioned earlier, is that Duncan Robinson is getting paid a lot of money, right? $80 million or whatever it is. You have to remember that Kyle Lowry also got signed to a three-year, $85 million contract by the yes. Miami Heat in oh on summer of last year. So the Heat have some bad contracts. And Kyle Lowry was, what, 36, 35, 36? So he is definitely on the tail end of his career. I don't. I do not like the Heat futures, the Heat's future prospects um, after this year. Which, you know, if they don't win the title, I'm going to play devil's advocate on one thing though. The Heat notoriously have these bad contracts, a lot of times self-inflicted, and they always find a way to get off of them. They've done it for Fair. years. If you look back at their history, like tyler johnson rings a bell to me i think he was making 15 16 million a year at one point james johnson they gave like 12 million a year too there's one or two other contracts where they managed to parlay these guys into like butler and lowry because you notice they never have cap space every year and i feel like lowry's going to be the next one potentially unless they want to give him one more year but somehow they find a way to get off these contracts clearly we've identified they need more offense heroes part of that but i was just looking back at this game the starters in this game shot under 30% combined. You're not yeah, winning that's anything. That's not good. It, they're Dang. 15 for 55 between the starters yeah. in At this home. game. At home, no less. And they're clearly, like, even if they had, you know, win this series, next year they were going to have to start retooling because you look at just some of the players, there's, there's some age on this team. They need more athleticism and they need, obviously, more shooting. So they need Russell Westbrook. Oh, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> oh, no. Westbrook has oh, been no. in the trade rumors with the Heat. Would you do Duncan Robinson and Lowry? Oh, my God. Westbrook? I think you would have to, right? I think you would do that, right? Yeah, I would do that. I think Duncan Robinson can light it up with LeBron James, obviously, and AD. But it's like, I mean, why would the Heat do that, right? The to Heat get some... do that to get off the long-term contracts. That's why they yeah. do that because oh, you're, yeah, you're paying Robinson for three years, I believe, after right, this year, right. and then you've got Lowry for an extra one. A I, couple just, of Westbrook's got. I mean, like you're oh, you're obviously as a Lakers, as a Laker fan, and if you're the Lakers, you're obviously that's that's like the definition of going all in, right? You're throwing all your chips in the, to the middle of the table, regardless yeah. of, yeah. and you have like a mediocre, like an above average hand. Maybe you're just hoping the other guys. You know, somehow I mess just, it up. You know what I imagine is if if the Heat actually do that and they can't get off Westbrook's contract themselves, you want to see the worst floor spacing in the last thirty years? Turn on a Miami Heat basketball game next year. If yeah. they've gotten rid of Lowry and Robinson and they have Westbrook, there's Westbrook literally and... <laughs> they have one shooter on that team in Tyler Hero, and then maybe Struss, who went all vote for seven in this game. Outside of that, that's going to be like James Naismith, 12 feet and in. You might as well be throwing that ball at a peach basket. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that Jimmy Butler at some point would probably kill Westbrook if I, they, are, sure. they were on the same team. Because like, oh man, Jimmy Butler plays hard. 
but he's not dumb. He has, he's actually a smart basketball player. Westbrook is plays hard, but he may have an IQ, basketball IQ, of negative four. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. And, you know, I'm actually going to move us on to the next topic here. I want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets because they've been making uh, the news waves here a little bit. And basically, Brooklyn has made like zero indication that they want to extend Kyrie Irving. And now there's reports being said that Kevin Durant isn't particularly happy about this. And he has not spoken to management since the Nets were swept by the Boston Celtics. So I want to ask you guys, is there a potential here where the Nets wake up and they are now without Kyrie Irving and KD is asking for his way out? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, when I did read this story, I thought... Who contacts their boss when they're on vacation? So that's one that's, way to think of it. That's a good point. That's a good point. The other way to think about it is if I'm the Nets, I'm trying to massage that relationship as much as possible because it's been a super weird year and you want to keep those two happy and those two, I mean, Kyrie and Katie, because we know how they are. Yeah, that's true. So, what do you guys think? What, I am starting to think it's legitimately 50-50 that Kyrie is back. Because the comments that Sean Marks made near the end of the year, the whole thing about players being available and wanting to be here, to me, that was a very thinly veiled shot. So I literally was uh, was chatting with some people today, and one of the apparently one of the rumors in Dallas that's coming out is the potential of a sign and trade of Jalen Brunson for Kyrie or Jalen Brunson and other pieces for Kyrie. That's one idea that's been kicked around. And so that's now being said that the Nets may be open to doing a Kyrie sign and trade to bring back talent if they don't want to keep him. So I, I can't see them trading KD and I don't think anybody could. I mean, I, I just, I personally don't believe you trade a player of that level of a top, like a top three player. You just don't do it. You figure it out. You build around him. You do what you need to do. I'm, I'm 50, 50 on Kyrie. I mean, who knows how the reports are looking. I mean, do you guys think he's going to be back at this point? No, he's going to be reunited with LeBron James <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Well, Anthony Davis, you know, everybody Kyrie wants then. That. So you get that Kyrie we, Westbrook listen, LeBron lineup you've always wanted. Oh. I mean, come on, 2022-2023 season, just picture it. LeBron and Kyrie uh -huh. on the same team, Westbrook and Durant on the same team. Like, that is, that's like movie, movie production quality right there. That's like scripted. You cannot, you can't make a better storyline than that, right? <laughs> you want to see KD ask for a trade? Yeah. Make that trade if you're Brooklyn. <laughs> Does that season end with KD wanting to come to the Warriors? Because I might be for it. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I also want to bring up that Kyrie Irving, there's reports that Nike is actually breaking up with Kyrie Irving. Do you guys have any uh, opinions on that? Yeah, the, you know, Kyrie has one of the best-selling shoes for Nike. And for Nike, they, they've been in kind of like this space where they want to make political statements. I guess you could say that they did... Uh, that long-term contract with Kaepernick after uh, he was blackballed within the NFL. So I thought it was a pretty bold move for them to do that and shows that, hey, 
you kind of have to play in order to get paid by us, which I find, I don't know. I thought their thing was just to make money. They've been re-retroing all these Jordans, re-retroing the pennies, the pippins. Right. Those dudes don't play. But I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? That they're shifting away from Kyrie, who's yeah, like I, a moneymaker. I own a pair of his shoes. So it was kind of surprising to me too, because I see a lot of people like, so I was living in Portland, Oregon. And I want to say that the top two like ball shoes was Kyrie Irving's and Kobe's. That's what I saw all the time. So for them yeah. to break up, that's that's actually really surprising to me. Like, I'm kind of wondering what the head of Nike was looking at. But like, were they looking at interviews and they were like, wow, this guy says a bunch of crazy stuff. <laughs> like, maybe we need to get off this contract. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, like, I I don't know. I think it's a bad move on Nike's part if we're talking strictly from a profit, revenue, money-making standpoint because I know Kyrie says outlandish things, but I just think that, I think a lot of people overlook it and they just, you know, they buy the shoes for the shoes. They buy it for how they feel, how they look. And I think if you're still producing quality, I mean, unless Kyrie does something absolutely crazy, like commits a crime or something and lands him in jail for five years, then, you know, then I can understand it. But I, I mean, I, I just don't think it's, I think it's just, you know, not a big deal. Yeah, I think, I think you're right, John. Um, I'm going to take us to the next topic here, which is the all NBA teams have been released. And this is how the first team goes. It goes Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, the Greek freak, Jason Tatum and Nikola Jokic, which means that on the second team, we have Steph Curry, John Morant, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. Do any of these names on the second team kind of surprise you that they didn't make it into the first team? Well, before, I know two people on here have a thought on who should be on the first team. <laughs> And I'll give you a hint. He just won the Magic Johnson Award for the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. You can be honest. Yeah. I'm right, yeah. right? I, okay. I think he should be all NBA first team. Okay. The obvious Sammy? name here is Joel Embiid on the second team. That's, um, that's where I was going to go to. And remember, we had this discussion about was he going to get voted in as a forward or was Jokic? So what does everyone... Think. I, I read a quote that I want to bring in, but let's let's chat about this first. I think the voters were trying to be safe. I, I think they didn't want to accidentally leave Joel Embiid out, like almost completely, and have him accidentally fall to the third team by replacing some of those votes with forward votes. That's what I think what happened. Or maybe, maybe some of those votes did go to forward votes, and that's why he didn't end up in first team. I don't know. So this list, right, is, I mean, it's clearly, you know, the way that they figure it out or the way that they determine these players is it's based on how, not only how they do it individually, but how their teams did. Because LeBron James is on the third team. And if we're just basing it on his stats, he had an insane year, actually, statistically. So mm -hmm. it's... Uh, you know, I mean, like, look at the Suns. They they were the number one league in the East. Don, uh, Mavericks, 
definitely outperformed what people expected. Celtics came on crazy strong second half. The Bucks were, were still one of the best teams. And then Jokic carried the Nuggets. I mean, I don't think I have any issues with this first team. Do you guys? Ooh. Yeah, I, I think, you, I think I the first have, team. You got to put, M, you got to put. I think Embiid has to be on there. Embiid has to be on it. That's that's my thing. And so the quote I was going to bring up actually came from Tatum. And so Tatum said that he pointed out specifically that Embiid was second in MVP voting and he made second team. And his words were, it doesn't make too much sense. And what he suggests, and I've heard this before, that I was going to kick out to all of you, is Tatum said, just put the 15 best players on. Who cares yeah. about the positions? Just go in order of votes, 15 best players. Because the other part of this that is starting to get talked about is that this thing affects contracts now. Mm -hmm. and, and money. Exactly. Super money maxes contracts, and those yeah. are affected by who makes the team. And for Tatum, actually, he was not put on an All-NBA team last year. And it cost him a lot on the extension that he's on now because yeah. he didn't make it. And so you either have to break that link or I do think you have to make some changes here because... I just, I think Embiid has to be on the first team. And I don't know necessarily who you would have thrown off. Um, of the yeah, list I mean, do you five. throw... It's do tough. You, it's tough. I mean, do you throw Tatum. off Giannis? No. You throw off Tatum? I, you throw off Tatum? I, I would have, like... I, yeah, probably, yeah. I think I think it probably would have been Tatum. The, the issue with this is the All-NBA was formatted for... People who I, don't know basketball or novice followers to follow the game, like the prototypical position basketball, but there's yeah. it's position it's positionless <laughs> basketball now. Like, can you imagine if Magic Johnson wasn't on the NBA first team because he had issues with Isaiah Thomas with voting because they can't they couldn't determine if he's a point guard or a forward. Right. That'd be super crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think this setup, this seating, and I know they adjusted it. Well, no, they didn't really. Um, it was designed better for 1980s and 1990s basketball when you had yeah. a more traditional five-man lineup. And so I think the NBA has been a little slow to adapt on this. They finally did it with the All-Star game where they went front court rather than staying center and two forwards. I think you have to make that adaptation here again because you are affecting players' money. If you're going to link this thing to contracts, I think it's just got to be 15 players. Wait, wait Sammy. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy, I got to just say something to you. Sure. Didn't John vote for Embiid for his MVP pick? And he was fine with him on the second team now? Oh. Come on. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. I don't remember picking that him as MVP. Did I pick correct. him? Did I, I like how I like how JJ said he was saying it to Sammy, but it was really about you, John. Well, he was saying it to me because he's saying he and I agreed and picked the correct MVP. Uh, you know what? You're right, man. I've I've been too I've been gone too long, man. It's, it's messing with my brain. I'm, I'm messing with you, man. I don't. No, you're right. You. You're right. Yeah, I picked you know, Embiid as I, MVP. I, I really think they should have found a way to get Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic all on the first team because they were all super deserving. But I'm actually going to wrap it up with this. If we take a look at the first team here, Booker, Doncic, Atentacumpo, Tatum, Jokic, the thing that's, sick, like, that's screaming out at me 
is that it's crazy that we're finally having this new era of basketball, right? Steph Curry's not on there. LeBron James not on there. Kevin Durant not on there. Like all these older players are not on there. And we have the young guns running the all NBA first team. And that's pretty dang amazing to me. But that's actually we all like all we have for tonight's pod. Um, I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Hey, uh, special shout out to our boy, John. Welcome to the Marriage Club, my guy. John, thanks for being on, man. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to join this club. I'm sure it's very prestigious and happy, right? You guys are all happy? <laughs> you, you look happy. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Thank you. We Indeed, we are eternally happy, John, always. And, and we wait to welcome our beloved host into this club next. Yes. There we go. Yes, I'm sir. the next one, I guess. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Thanks for putting us on Twitch. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All MBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All MBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All MBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcast.